Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reinsurance Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jared Lee. And I just had an overwhelming <laughs> urge to shout, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> and Rose. that voice is Ben Rose, the other co-host. <laughs> uh, sorry, we've been having a good laugh in the, the pre-recording session, but we are here for another serious episode. I have of... an existential doubt in my own existence now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Reinsurance Podcast, a very serious business charting podcast <laughs> about reinsurance. I, but... I, you can tell why we're, I mean, so we're, we're, as we're sort of approaching the end of the summer and into the autumn, it's for many people in the industry, the favorite time of year, right? It's, it's Christmas for reinsurance, which is festival season or in our industry, conference season. Christmas um, for reinsurance. I love this characterization. <laughs> but so, analogy. As we, as we sort of, we've, we've talked about the sort of industry conferences in the past and, and we're approaching the first sort of big one in Europe, which is. Monte Carlo, one of your and my both favorite. And just like Christmas, I'm going to try and run with this. <laughs> I, it's an occasion which sees the whole family get together, including extended family. In other words, people who have long-term relationships with each other and may or may not like each other that much, but make the effort once a year to all gather in a geographically sensible location and put up with each other over lots of meals and drinking for a, a reasonable period. It is a strong analogy. Yeah, There's less gift giving and sort of religious background context, I suppose. Yeah. But, you but it's also, a start. You could also make context of wealthy old white guys with a bunch of presents to give other people or similar if if we went to that, went so far into the analogy, but we shall we shall cease it there, I suspect, for <laughs> So I mean to start us off, let's talk about conferencing in reinsurance in general yeah. why do we even conference in reinsurance yeah it, it sort of stems back we've talked a ton on this podcast about the importance of relationships and these types of things but you look at the, the reliance on relationships as an industry and the fact that as a global industry people are sort of just dist distributed globally and it's very difficult to sort of centralize um, all of those meetings in a really effective way so i there's probably, you probably know, Ben certainly has researched the originating conference in the industry, but it was a way in which you could centralize, let's bring all the buyers of reinsurance and all the sellers of reinsurance and all their broker intermediaries all together. And we can sort of run around getting a sense as to what's happening in the market, what people are buying, and sort of make that a bit more efficient than to sort of traveling to Zurich and then to Munich and then to Hanover like and and so on and so forth. So I think that's probably the origin story of it, but there's probably a, a more launching of the first one that you might know. No, ab absolutely. And I, I think they have they have become a regional theme. You know, you have Mo Monte Carlo, then Baden-Baden, and yeah. then Singapore coming up after that as well, uh, as well as, of course, a whole host of conferences happening in, in North America too. Yeah. Uh, but I guess the other aspect that, again, extends that, that Christmas analogy, uh, is the seasonality. Because this period of year, I think, is is and always has been fascinating for the market because it's not only the right time to start floating ideas, structures, giving updates, etc., about where everyone's at uh, going into the run-up to 1st of January uh, renewal season, but also it's right in the middle of hurricane season. Yeah. So it tends to be the moment when people are sort of seeing events happen live mm -hmm. and reacting to them and gossiping. And it becomes a really important window for sharing re immediate reflections on, you know, what's that going to do to yeah. where we sit going in. And then the other conferences then almost have other roles to play as you go further through the season, right? So yeah. the, 
Uh, the Barden Barden meeting is normally when, for some clients, they like to have you know put out firm order terms. For others, it's a bit later. You know, they might like to have started getting quotes by Barden Monday, yeah. etc. But but people start to use these as milestone events yeah. uh, in the run up. Yeah, and there's a lot of preparation in that run-up around scheduling the agendas and and organizing kind of what your talking points are going to be and and prioritizing the partnerships that you want to have to sort of anchor first, so you can then go through the rest of the conference with sort of I have reaffirmed the position I'm taking on this, and, and now as I go through, so there's a lot of jostling for what that schedule looks like in the in the work you prepare in the build-up to the event, um, to sort of help evaluate and assess whether you're on the right page or you're going to make additional calibrations um, before the other conferences as well as in the build-up to 1-1. Um, we'll talk more, I think, later on in the episode about some of the anecdotes around watching hurricanes and events during Monte Carlo, which is sort of a big one there. But before we talk about the other conferences and that, let's sort of dive into Monte, Monaco and Monte Carlo and the sort of advent of this particular conference. Yeah, and I think whenever we talk about this, Outsiders, especially, I, I made them sound really like <laughs> xenophobic kind of reaction there, didn't I? <laughs> Outsiders to the reinsurance industry, which may include, you know, listeners to this podcast. We do have a lot of mindfulness uh, rankings, apparently. Yeah. I, soothing voices and all that jazz. <laughs> I, but basically, why they always want to know, why, why on earth, and Insiders too, why on earth are they doing this conference in Monaco, in Monte Carlo? That, that seems, one, like a really expensive and flashy place to do it for an industry with a very high expense ratio. Uh, and I don't know why I said one, I haven't really got two. That's just part one. Why are we doing it in a place that's so expensive? It, I, it's an interesting one. So you, Monaco, is, Monte Carlo, people might know, famous for the Casino and Casino Royale um, in, for 007 fans, as well as for the Monaco Grand Prix. So it's very much centralized, this sort of pocket of, of Europe that has this tight condensation. And now that city is actually very, very famous for conferences more than just reinsurance. Mm. You have a, like a worldwide yacht conference that happens there, and you have all these like big events that they've sort of centralized. Essentially, the, the way this economy thrives is sort of by delivering these massive events. Is it like the dentists who are there the week before reinsurance? It's or very possible. Or someone, yeah. someone surely knows this. And also, I was going to sing the Casino Royale song. But I can't remember his team of films ago. <laughs> oh, well. I can, I just, I can just hear Skyfall in my head, which is yeah. irrelevant and distracting. But I, I don't know but. what the original genesis of why Monte Carlo became like one of... So it's this is this is now the 66th Monte... Uh, Based on our napkin math. That, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is our understanding since 1957 was yeah. the first ever Monte, uh, Monte Carlo rendezvous. Has our math included the two years... A hiatus oh, due yeah. to COVID. That's true, but we haven't. So maybe they changed the count. So maybe this is actually the 64th. In 66. But it's been last year being the 63rd, and then oh. it was just a two-year gap since the 62nd. Ah, interesting. <laughs> but let us not interrupt the flow of the prior narrative because we were about to discover why it started in Monte Carlo all those years ago in the 1950s. I feel like I need an adjective there, the swinging 50s, but that's yeah. definitely the wrong decade. Yeah. Whatever the 50s were, <laughs> take yourself back there and imagine a bunch of reinsurance people who are trying to figure out where they should all get together prior to renewals. And apparently the reason for Monaco being selected was because it was kind of like Switzerland, but not Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> this is genuinely what it seems to have been down to if you look at the, the history pages. It was like Switzerland conceptually yeah. in that it was a very neutral place, 
uh, except because Switzerland is full of insurance companies. Yeah. Uh, it was not like Switzerland because actually at the time there were no dedicated Monaco-based insurance companies and therefore it was a very neutral and convenient location in the middle of Europe and much like the London market, for example, during the rest of the year, mm. uh, it had a sufficient density of hotels and conference centers and so on, uh, all built around each other yeah. that you could have for a given you know week uh, of the year or, or near enough uh, a whole industry 3,000 people I think go to this conference every year yeah. descend upon the city all have somewhere to stay and all be able to walk to all their various meetings all over the city yeah. uh, I think the Café de Paris is still closed this year sadly again is it again closed this year? Mm -hmm. I think so yeah the refurbishments are scheduled yeah. to finish like the week after we, we get there or something yeah. just in uh, time for those dentists to show up <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> but uh, yeah this Apart from that, that sad part, I, yeah. everything is pretty much I, built and ready for 3,000 reinsurance professionals to descend upon it and figure out what they're going to do this renewal season. So let's then dive into kind of what does it look like? So everyone, the the dissension has happened. Everyone has arrived. Um, people have, have taken, uh, they've, flo they've flown over. There's, once you can land in Nice and then take, the, take a car, um, People will helicopter. Quite a lot of reinsurance professionals will then take the helicopter from Nice uh, to Monaco, which is one of the one of the many status symbols that begins to emerge. Um, you have all the various hotels across Monaco, as you mentioned. So you have a bunch of famous ones. Uh, the execs will sometimes rent out the penthouses for for the various conferences and sort of holding court, if you will. Um, not cheap. We have some of the the numbers. I was watching something the other night. Um, some of the some of the penthouses will be seventy five grand a night. Um, so, but I mean, if you're if you're hosting the C suite of a big broker, a big reinsurer for all of your meetings for four days, just cost of doing business in Monaco. Yeah, indeed, that's uh, something that we we grapple with as a as a reinsure tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah <exactly. laughs> not having a multi billion dollar <laughs> balance sheet and going to these yeah. conferences. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, certainly. I mean, maybe we can give our listeners this is an idea, but like. Can you remember from having approved expenses last time how much like a sandwich was? <laughs> oh, it's it's yeah, it's definitely not light on the budget. Um, if you go to so if you go to the restaurants in the hotels, um, salad and a coke is forty forty five euros, something like this. So you're yeah. you're certainly paying to be there, and and it's sort of the cost in the aggregate is quite significant. Um, but delegates delegations from firms like Aon um, will easily spend upwards of a few million dollars over the course of the week to fly everyone out there and put Especially everyone out branded there. cars don't they have all sorts of things yep so yeah. tiger risk did branded cars a couple mm -hmm. of years back um i think some other firms have done something similar some firms i think the insurer brings drives a black car from london they have like a, a, black, a, cab. a black cab yeah they mm -hmm. so they'll um they'll brand out a black cab and take and drive that all the way through and buzz that around the city so i it's, saw a black cab on top of alp Duez the other day did you? Yeah, I was very confused. Yeah. It was not operational, as it turned out. <laughs> but it was one of the new ones. It was one of the electric ones. Yeah. Not a, an old one. Yeah. I'm very confused. So it's very much, it's kind of like a spectacle. It's all much of a, this is this whole event is, is like a spectacle. I thought you meant the black cab on top of the other. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's very much a spectacle. Yeah. Um, and so once you're there, then the way the diaries sort of shake out is you sort of schedule these sort of 30-minute meetings and everyone runs around and and has these these sort of short thirty minute meetings across uh, throughout their day. Um, the hotel, uh, the Cafe de Paris, is quite famous because there's a huge number of tables that people will rent out there, and then people sort of rotate through. So you'll have five or six Aeon tables or five or six 
Gallagher tables, whoever it might be. And then people sort of just rotate through in these little 30 minute meetings. Um, what? I've, I've come up with a theory. Have you? You paused because you saw me thinking. I did. In this I saw, sort of yeah. Thinking. It was face. the theory generation face yeah. that I've gotten to know so well. Is part of the continued appeal of expensive Monte Carlo its expensiveness? And my, my reason for positing this theory mm-hmm. is that actually it's attractive because of its expensiveness, not despite its expensiveness, because of the exclusivity that that generates. Mm. Because a lot of conferences and things, you know, if it's cheap to go, companies will send huge numbers of their workforce. Whereas, as we know, I, you know, these big breakers, they, especially, you know, big reinsurers, et cetera, they can't afford to send everybody to Monte Carlo because the bills mount so quickly, you know, accommodation, food, wine, the lot gets really, really quite expensive. And as a result, actually, it does feel relative to the other conferences, I would say, like it's more the top level execs who would mm-hmm. go to Monte Carlo versus other conferences. Would you agree? I, I would agree with that. And I think um, certainly it's all the the biggest names are there every year. Yeah. Um, and, and that exclusivity is absolutely part of that. Um, I also think whether you're a broker or a reinsurer and probably students as well, there's a point in your career when you get invited for the first time. And it does mm-hmm. feel like that graduation moment of going to the big kids table, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Is this, you've now made it so that's, you've gotten an invite and, and cause the aggregate spend for any individual person is quite significant. Um, so there's certainly a piece there. And I think as a result of that, there's this real, appreciation and value with like the history of it and again we've talked about this on episodes about london and lloyd's and similar where the industry really values um the right way in sort of very aggressive air quotes to to do these types of things and it is going with clients and sort of taking them to all the different partners in one location then having a nice dinner um, on the riviera or similar like afterwards and and this part of the spectacle is the right way to entertain the most important clients and the biggest events and these types of things. And this this is why you see the the conference sort of done the way it's done. There isn't a, a networking app for this conference. Um, Mark Gagan said it the other day in, in a LinkedIn post, there's a um, aversion to, moder- to, to modernity um, mm-hmm. or, or this sort of real reticence to adopt and try to make it more efficient. And they're looking at maybe even trying to schedule 15 minute meetings, which that was the oh, genesis this of this of this argument. Um, he, he did seem quite upset about that. Yeah. If you're listening, Mark, you did seem very, very distressed <laughs> by this. Friend of the podcast, though, Mark. Yeah, no. Uh, like, that's why I was addressing him directly. Yeah. You're Mark, if you have. <laughs> you seem very, very upset. I was a little bit tempted to send you a meeting request <laughs> <laughs> just to see if I would generate, yeah. you know, receive some of that. Um, but, but that's because this is how this group wants to know. Like, once you, when you arrive, the other thing we've not mentioned is um, when you sign up for the conference, you register with where you're staying. Um, and you get into the book and the book has every attendee and the hotel that they're staying and their contact details and people can sort of flip through this then. Um, and it's this way of you use this and use it for future conferences and you sort of schedule your meetings at these various hotel locations and similar in a way that it's like the quote unquote, again, right way to do it where I have scheduled this time in your diary and I'm going to walk to the Hotel de Paris and I'm going to, we're going to find a 
little couch in the corner of this massive lobby and and have this event and have this 30-minute catch-up. Yeah, it was nice. I remember many years ago, in the early days of Riskbook, when we were debating whether we could be featured in the program with the tent on the campsite in a field (laughs) (laughs) somewhat near to Monte Carlo because, yeah, yeah, way back when, that wasn't an option. But we have been going regularly to all industry conferences Mm -hmm. ever, ever sort of since they were put back on, right? So... um, You guys were there last year. Yep. I rocked up on the final day, fresh off my honeymoon, yeah. which was delightful. Although I came in a bit overeager, I think. Yeah. Uh, off the back of the, the good honeymoon <laughs> vibes, and the next morning was less fresh. But uh, it is a very much a all day after a certain, you know, lazy listen to a session in the morning kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Meetings, 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 all the way through the afternoon and early evening, yep. and then dinners and various parties like famously i i don't don't know what will happen this year don't want to Mm. announce anything that hasn't been announced um but i know certainly uh there used to be parties held even at 1 2 a.m in the morning as like the start time yeah um and then there would be an after party beyond that as well you know with people mixing from all over the industry so it really is a incredible combination of structured meetings followed by i fresh you know meeting yeah. new people but it, it does take a, a bit of endurance i yeah. would say yeah. to get through it all. well it's it's it, it's an interesting dichotomy that you highlight there because you're right it, the the most of your day is filled in these like 30 minute slots and then sort of post dinner it's like a free-for-all for the next six hours and, and then and Jared so books very, 8 a.m for the next morning there i did have a very <laughs> a very early panel last year which yeah, yeah i got in at like 4 35 a.m and had to be at the panel at, five, at 8 a.m. So it was a bit of a... Valuable business networking. Indeed. 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 Um, but we, we mentioned at the start earlier in the podcast um, the sort of watching the, the industry evolve or watching events happen and sort of real-time assessment around um, things that impact reinsurance whilst you're at the sort of one of the most impactful events of, of the year. So hurricane season being the one that's sort of always on the cards as we sort of watch various storms come through or or look at storms that are sort of beginning to brew as people are there. But I was talking to someone last year and and they were talking about they were in Monte Carlo on uh, the 11th of September in uh, 2001. And, and that was still harken back to 2001 when if events were to happen, you would then roll a TV from somewhere. Like, oh yeah, this isn't these oh, aren't yeah, like. Right. There's no monitors. There's no there's flat no screens phones. hanging on walls. That's well, right. right? Nobody's watching it on their smartphones. No. So like, this is so all of a sudden the sort of word came out this was happening. That someone had rolled one of those. You, 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 you yeah, can picture yeah, this, right? Yeah. That sort of like multi-tiered metal black <laughs> cart that has that sort of TV that's 36 yeah. inches deep. Um, but they rolled that into a couple of the the restaurants and sort of mm-hmm. the whole industry is now gathered around this 32-inch TV mm. on watching what everyone knew at the time was like going to transform how the insurance industry was going to operate. Like even then, within hours, people knowing this was going to have a huge impact on all future travel, potentially massive complications and confusion around how these property claims play out, not even to mention mm. whether it was going to be a terrorist attack and war and all the things that sort of came off the back of that. But those are the kind of things that when you have such a uh, condensation of industry expertise around 
that it's it's really an interesting dynamic when you see something big really happening because it begins to be the talk of the whole conference. Absolutely, I, th I think it'd be interesting to see this year with you know the live events sort of happening mm -hmm. relatively close by. I mean, we've had a Dahlia; we're not quite at the peak. Yep. I well, we're just by the time this goes out, we'll be just at the peak of the the season. So yeah, we've we've been warned many times. This is expected to be a above average season. The, the sea is warmer yeah the normal and so you know things are brewing yeah out there in them seas so we'll we'll see what actually comes through but we should have as a as a slight pivot away from the the hard dark conversations of 911 and the and the difficulty with with that on the industry but we sh we should do something with um things that people do during catastrophes that are just stupid like kind of like a darwin award type thing so Oh, they're fire firing bullets into shooting, the shooting, yeah, yeah. Um, I think have the you got lots of those examples? Well, there was one I saw the other day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't have time for this to be in a news episode, but there's this there's this weather reporter um, out in the hurricane. It's like, gosh, it's just the weather is wild. And then behind them, there's these two guys on one of those like inflatable unicorns, <laughs> like in paddles. So they're like, well, the streets are all flooded. I can't drive anywhere. So their their route to get to where they're going is to take this inflatable unicorn with like boat paddles <laughs> down the street during this hurricane. Heavy, and, heavy, reliable, safe yeah, vessel. That. Yeah, so it's these kind of things that just add some <laughs> some enjoyment and color to hurricane season as the yeah. as the industry watches it. But that, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, cool. What have we missed on on the Monte Carlo coverage so far? I feel like we had a, we had a pl as we always we do. Have, we had oh, a plan. And no, I don't. I've thought of it. Go. I've thought of something. Okay. Now the main thing that listeners should take away from this important episode is well, first of all, that Superseed will be there. Jared won't be there, sadly. I won't be there this year. No, I'll be in the. I'll a be in America. Day in the U.S. Yeah, We've gone off elsewhere. Um, but in Jared's place, we are bringing a small bringing back those aggressive quotation marks, mm. yacht. Yes. Uh, from which the Reinsurance Podcast will be recording a bunch of mini episodes with special guests. Yep. Uh, and I've been told uh, we have to promote uh, not only the opportunity to be on the boat, but to come and see the boat because our design team has lovingly created a supersede pirate flag for the yacht, yep. which up until literally, what, a few days ago, I'm going to turn around, a few days ago, I was going to be carrying <laughs> all the way there from a, a trip because I'm awkwardly again coming in from somewhere else. Um, so I've got like a ton of bags going to Africa yeah. for a horse riding holiday. And then Cordy was like, can you also take this flag? And I was like, oh, it seems all right. How big is it? It turned out it's this huge base the size of a hold luggage suitcase <laughs> with a pole that's taller than me. And with a flag. Luckily, we're, we're posting it in advance. If it doesn't arrive, blame the postal things but as far as we know it should be there yeah. by the time you're listening to this and you yeah. you should be able to go see it in the harbor uh, but you're not taking the boat from africa to nice you're no you're gonna fly at least some part of that trip i hope some of it yeah yeah okay sort of a mixture of riding and flying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if ben's there with like sea like those sort of blisters you get from like 40 days at sea <laughs> you can tell that he's had to take the yacht the entire way but yeah. no I don't know how the yacht is getting there. I don't know if it's always always there, and we've just borrowed it, or whether we've imported it. These are I'm not close to these things. I've just been told that yeah. that we've got we've commandeered yeah. a vessel. But uh, it'll be, be the next section of ep episodes of the Reinsurance Podcast on tour. 
Mm. The reinsurance podcast at sea. Mm. We'll work. You've done it. No, that's yes. great. I love it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we'll work on the reinsurance podcast at sea. That's really quite catchy. It doesn't spell anything. Repass. No. Yeah, we're to trap. What's it? Trespass. <laughs> the reinsurance podcast at sea. Trespass. <laughs> sort of works. Yeah, but, but you shouldn't trespass. You should ask for permission before you board board yachting vessels. <laughs> Uh, wonderful. I think that's been a, a wonderful uh, tour of, of the Monte Carlo Rendezvous. Yeah. You'll see the fruits of our recording efforts there in no yep. time, I'm sure. And hopefully we'll have time to publish them all before Baden-Baden and when it all kicks off again. Yeah. Well, we'll do we'll do a Monte Carlo recap episode or part of the news, I'm sure. We'll do the same with Baden-Baden. So we'll, we'll sort of circle back on these. Um, and then there's also a forthcoming white paper that we'll be launching whilst in Monte Carlo. So oh, yes, of course. If you're listening to this en route to or in preparation of your Monte Carlo trip, make sure to go to our website and get the updated white paper all about the impact of bad data on your reinsurance pricing, all of that coming soon. So super exciting time as we go into the beginning of conference season. Yeah, do look out for that white paper. We've had amazing support from all over the industry with tons of reinsurance people getting involved and sharing their stories their experiences and helping us understand what they do when they receive bad data and, and some of the findings have been you know mind-blowing so yeah, yeah really and for, excited to and share. for many of our listeners who did contribute thank you directly from us yes on the podcast thank so, you very much uh direct thank you from us here and uh we look forward to sharing your words back with you <laughs> <laughs> you'll be like that sounds familiar it does indeed indeed but until next time thanks everybody yeah we'll give you the familiar sound of the reinsurance podcast outro music goodbye <laughs>